We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, my goodness, is it Saturday already? It must be, because it's time for the Bob Rose Rewind, a new fresh edition for you. Happy Saturday, my friends. We start things off with Marion County Commissioner Carl Zalek. We're calling him out about roads. We need roads if there's going to be growth. He explains it very well. Right now on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Carl Zalek, Marion County Commissioner, uh, on the hot seat. Got a caller, uh, what's bugging you? Saying, hey, uh, what's up with Marion County? They're popping up houses like mushrooms, and they're not building any roads. Like 10 miles from this place to this place. And uh, anyway, she was not happy, not just with you, I guess, the the commission. Is there uh, an issue here? I And I guess I have to preface it by saying, it is Florida. We've always had growth issues up and down. And it's hard to keep up. Roads are expensive. However, um, is there is there a, is there a, an issue here? Is there anything that, that you're going to do about it if it's legit? Absolutely. I mean, you know, she's absolutely right. Obviously, you know the setup, right? We we talked about uh, the big thing where, where all of our residents came out and said, "Hey, we don't want any more." Um, you know, highways going across our communities, right? right? When we talked about the turnpike and extension, right? Well, from the turnpike in Wildwood, it really kind of starts there. The bottleneck goes from the turnpike in Wildwood all the way up to exit 399. Was that North High Springs, basically? That's, uh, yeah, or Thir- Alachua? Well, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so we have a significant amount of traffic. <clears throat> uh, good thing about it is is that in the in the governor's budget that just came out project number 10 on the highlight is the widening of i-75 right in marion county alachua and sumter so there is some relief coming it's a seven billion dollar budget in that regard also the problem is is from wildwood to 484 what is that 13 14 miles something like that Mm -hmm. and then you got another 10 miles or so between 484 and 200 and then you start getting some exits right right in there, we looked at <clears throat> when we were before we started building actually the 49th Street interchange, which we're getting ready to do, where Bucky's is coming, right, and all that kind of stuff. We looked at 95th Street, uh, which is a which is a, a one in the middle there, and the problem was the, the land was very karst. You know, DOT basically vacated the P and E after they got done with their study, and the people of Marion County didn't want it at the time. So I understand what she's saying, um, but. But that's kind of what we were dealing with as far as an I-75 interchange. And then the problem to the south of us is that our county line doesn't go that much further south than 484. Right. And you have the way stations and everything else. So the only thing that we're able to really do there, which we have in our long-term plan, is we have an overpass on 49th Street, which is just south of that interchange, right right around or just past Don Gartlett's over there. Uh, for the future. We have that in, in there, but it is a longer-term project. Uh, in the next five years, 
all the other projects I talked to you about on your radio show, uh, the expansion of 80th, uh, uh, the new interchange, everything else. It's a $195 million budget for infrastructure Im- implementation over the next five years. So we're working on it. But I know what it, I know. Sometimes it appears that we're not. <laughs> where Where is the greatest amount of residential growth taking place now and in the short future? Let's say five years out. Where Where's all the growth happening or going? Yeah. So residential. We, have, well, we call the two hundred triangle. Right. It's it's State Road two hundred uh, on top of the world sixtieth. Uh, all of that little area there. We're in fact in a twelve month study right now to to really hyper. Uh, zoom in, if you will, on the traffic counts, the intersection counts, what's working, what's failing, so that we can implement our dollars in the most strategic way and also <clears throat> build accessory roads where we need them, right? The problem with, of course, development, as everybody knows, is that you come in, you have a development, well, you don't get the money from the impact fee or the proportionate share from the developer or any of those dollars. They don't come in until after stuff they starts going up project. right, oh, right? Okay. so yeah. as they as you build a house well that house is already in the ground that people's the the person's in the house 5 years before before we can even plan to put the road in right i mean it takes how long before you can go through a, the proper <clears throat> engineering and road dedication and buying that property eminent domain if you have to i mean think about the process you would have to go through to acquire land buy, build the road and fund it it's at least five to ten years. Yeah, it's much more technical than it, w- it, it was does, a long time right? ago. You know, if it was just throwing down some blacktop and rolling over it. We'd be good to go. Yeah. But uh, DOT and, on, and other things aren't. You know, they're not and just so she knows too. I think uh, one of the things that we've really been focusing on is you know we have 475, which is a scenic road on the one side where all the traffic kind of comes off mm-hmm. and goes down between 200 and 484. We're building a parallel I 75 road, which is basically 49th Street, all the way from where Heathbrook is, the Dicks and the Coles and Dillard's all the way down to Marion Oaks as well and through and that'll actually be the road that goes over I-75. So we have a focus on making sure that we can get those lanes and those things open. God forbid we can't put another interchange in in the future. Wow, that's uh, you covered that. That's not uh, scripted or on the list or anything. So uh, thank you, Carl. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Uh, what, what's going Fries on with crispy? The, what, what's going on with the fire uh, rescue team uh, members? Tell me. Tell me what's well, happening. Unfortunately. There. Uh, we, we had another loss, another suicide um, of one of our dear firefighters. And, uh, man, our team is just, you know, Bobby, I think in this situation, you're just absolutely at a loss for words. Our fire chief, you know, stated in his message that, you know, it was just painful and it's confusing. Uh, and we're trying to find more ways to comfort. Please pray for our team and our firefighters. Um Along with other resources, our chief has requested the mental health strike team to be brought in from the International Association of Firefighters, uh, who will make recommendations for our department going forward. We're trying to look at, you know, is there something fundamentally wrong? Are these cases that, you know, people between what's going on at work and what happened in their personal life, you know, things happen. Yeah, what are the stressors that are taking it to that level? What are those things? And, and, And we feel like. I mean, I would have thought and I would have told you, Bob, honestly, we're, we're trying to be a department where people can come and get those resources. We have an on on site, you know, kind of chaplain and, and we try to do those things to just, you know, especially when we you know have scenes and we try to make sure that that our people are taken care of. But, you know, unfortunately, in some of these things, you know, with, with mental health that, you know, people men keep that stuff buried way too much sometimes and we don't get help. And and um, this is is. More than an awakening, the the fact that, you know, we we can't carry all these pressures all the time. And we need help. 
hey, look, I'll, I'll put it in terms, you know, and I'm yep. not trying to be, get a pun here, but sound the alarm. If you are feeling, if you have any suicidal thoughts, first of all, don't think that you're weird or odd to have them. What's, right. What the bad thing is, is when you don't acknowledge it and address it effectively, it does, for whatever reason, build up. The only other thing is, I guess, sort of forensically, if you look at um, anything to do with medications, what's different, what's changed, right. what's right. consistent amongst, you know, ac- across the board of a few people, looking for those kinds of things. But in the meantime, all you can do is try to be as supportive as you can and offer that assistance in, in terms of mental health, right? Listen, it unfortunately, in our law enforcement community, as well as our firefighter community, um, the stuff that, that these men and women see, right, they see the worst Unfortunately, in our community, they see the most horrific accidents and and things that you man you want no human being to see. Mm. Um, not that long ago, I myself rolled up on an accident, and to see those people in that state screaming, having issues, all these things, right, and then not being able to do anything to help, um, it's it's traumatic uh, in in every way. You bring that home all, over time and time, then you add the natural. Things that happen sometimes, you know, where, where people go through family issues, your kids issues, you go through a divorce. I mean, you stack those things and and you have a recipe individually. And those people we need to we obviously need to do a better job making sure that we're there for that support. Well, we, we used up a lot of time and it was valuable time and great information. Uh, just real quick, you got like a sentence here. Marion County launches property alert services for residents. What is it real quick and how can people find out more? So Marion County Clerk and the Comptroller's Office, they put together this service to notify subscribers via email if their documents such as deeds, mortgages, and other uh, records have been looked at or whatever. And so it just kind of gives you this property alert. You can find out much more by visiting MarionCountyClerk.org backslash property alert service. Mary County Commissioner Carl Zalek on the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday. Coming up next, our gun expert Chris Wagner talking about pistol braces and what the ATF is trying to do. And then also the latest gun bill that's moving through Tallahassee. That's next on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning and happy Saturday. The Bob Rose Rewind continues this time with Chris Wagner, former law enforcement trainer of law enforcement, former military, and big time into the Second Amendment, explaining about the pistol braces and what the ATF is trying to do. Let's ask him about it right now on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, Chris. How you doing? Hey, guys. What's going on? Uh, well, we're concerned. I thought uh, when we spoke uh, a couple of different times, and I've also spoken with uh, lawmakers, I thought that we were going to get this constitutional carry thing uh, pushed through in Tallahassee, and maybe I missed something. But I thought that this was also involving open carry. You, you could open carry legally because of the Constitution without having to get a permit. If you chose uh, to conceal, you'd have to stick with what we have now. You'd have to apply for the permit, etc. That way you have res- reciprocity across other states. But the bill I'm reading uh, doesn't mention anything about open carry. You're uh, you're right, and that bill that we've been trying to get through for the last five or six years did not make it into this writing of the uh, new House Bill four or five forty three. What this does is this is a permitless um, carry bill. What it does is removes the requirement to go through the state and pay for a license to exercise your right to carry a firearm field. What it doesn't do, and what you and I are proponents of and, and have spoken about, is the open carry bill which would do this exact same thing, add that to this, but make it not just concealed carry, but make it open carry. That would make this bill better. Um, What would make it probably a perfect bill is to remove all the gun restrictions as far as where and how you can carry and just leave it as what we call a true constitutional carry bill. But that's not going to happen, it doesn't look like. So uh, this is what we're getting. And so you, I mean, like you said, there there's a better way to do it. But if this is all you get, you get this or nothing for now. Um, do you are you feeling supportive of it? I am. It's a step in the right direction. Anytime you move in the right direction, rather than removing rights and restoring rights, you're. I'm for it, even if it's a little bit at a time. Um, maybe that's you know they took little things away here and there if it takes us putting little things back now and then to get uh, back to where we really should be 
then I, I would support it. I mean, it's, the alternative is there's no improvement. We're back right where we started from. Oh, yes, I would say I would support this. It's a, it's a permitlessly carried. Just, it stops you from having to pay the government for a license to exercise their Second Amendment right. Yeah, like you either have the, the you have that right uh, that's guaranteed or not, but there are restrictions on it anyway, like you can't be a convicted felon, for instance. Correct, and that would still apply with this one. The permits, permitlessly carry a firearm, the requirements are basically the same. Um, you just, if you're one of the federally prohibited people, you will not be able to use this. And of course, anybody committing a crime while carrying concealed firearms, it does not apply to either. That, that's just in the bill currently, it's in the statutes currently, so it doesn't make it easier for criminals to carry guns. They're going to carry them anyway. This just makes it easier for people who can't afford it or can't, you know, I hate to say it, take the time to go get training and a license and paperwork. This gives you back that ability to protect yourself and your family. Don't we have, I think, either 24 or 26 states where you can open carry now, or or, or am I confusing that with constitutional carry? No, you're right. Um, most of the states that have enacted constitutional carry, it also includes open carry. So Florida's still behind in that. And I will be writing to the sponsors and to the uh the committees that this might be assigned to, to recommend that what they do is they just simply, you know, do away with the word concealed and, and or add the word open to it as an effective way of uh, making it back to what we were originally trying to get past. That would be great. Hopefully uh, you'll have success in that. We'll see. And then one of the other, uh, you said, look, this is a step in the right direction. It's better to restore some rights than to constantly encroach on those. I totally agree with that philosophy. Uh, unfortunately, the gun grabbers and maybe even like the the people in charge at the ATF or the BATFE, um, they just decided without Congress they were going to put a rule out that these pistol stabilizer braces are going to be illegal, thereby in, what, 120 days once they post it, you'd be an outlaw if you had one, correct? Correct, and that's going. it's already been challenged, but it's going to be challenged in the courts. Um, there's already been lawsuits filed over it. It literally is ridiculous. The, the rule is not a law, but it's a rule that is 291 pages long. So, I mean, it's, I couldn't get through all 291 pages. I tried. I read a lot of it. At one point, it becomes ridiculous when you're thinking this is all to stop what, you know, won't do anything. So our government, sometimes they just, I think they waste a lot of time and effort on things that make absolutely no difference when they really could be doing things that help people and, and do make a difference. But then again, we're... Not perfect, but it's what we got. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I go, I, I think about complicating existing laws, making them further complicated to where then the law-abiding citizen can unintentionally violate the law. It's similar to the IRS. Depending on who's reading you the information, your tax attorney or a member of the IRS, you could get a couple of different stories. But when you have 22,000 pages or more, uh, it's almost like they could find something that you might be violating. I'm afraid that gun laws are going down that same path where people are their intentions are good and pure and law abiding. But, oh, you you didn't know, no, this brace uh, is not a lot. Well, that ammo, that's outlawed or whatever they can find. And I think that normally law-abiding citizens are now going to be negatively impacted when they're turning away bad guys every day through lax DAs and and, uh, these no-bail laws. Right. And, and, you know, I don't 
I don't understand the justification for the ATF even addressing braces. I, I don't. I don't know why it had to be addressed other than it was, it was as we all know, um, the plan of the Biden administration is to reduce your firearms rights there after the Second Amendment. We, I mean, it's obvious because he says it. But this is a, a roundabout way of doing some of that. So this is one of those, like I spoke about before, negative things that takes you know, rights back a little bit. And here in the state of Florida, we have a chance with this new bill to maybe move them in the right direction. So I have to say it's just ridiculous when we've got so many laws and rules over things that should be so simple. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, Joe Biden doesn't think you need uh, more than 10 rounds. If if you do, uh, you're hunting the wrong deer there wearing Kevlar, to which I say I've never heard of... He's never been in a gun battle. And I've also never heard of tyrannical deer. Mm, No. Yeah. No, he's never been in a gun battle. You need more than 10 rounds sometimes. Thanks so much, Chris. We always uh, appreciate your insight and your work in that area. Continued uh, success and uh, hope you catch some big ones because we know you love some fishing, too. I appreciate it, guys. You guys help us out a lot. Appreciate you all. Chris Wagner on the Bob Rose Rewind. Don't go away. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Charlie Stone, former state rep and former Marion County Commissioner, and he's running for a new seat. We'll get into it next on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Good morning. Welcome the Bob Rose Rewind rolling this time with former commissioner and former state rep Charlie Stone. He's running for House District 24 seat and experience is one of the things that he has on his side. I'll let him tell you right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Charlie Stone, former Mary County Commissioner and Chair, and now running for State Rep, House District 24. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Well, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Greg. How hey, doing, it is is good to see you. But gosh, it's been years uh, yeah. since I actually got to see you face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And uh, this isn't your first rodeo. Um, you've been in, in politics. What's uh, what's driving you back to want to do this again? Yeah, uh, very good question, Bob. Uh, number one, I feel like that uh, with my experience and my knowledge and this open seat, it's the right thing to do. And I base that on the number of years that I've had, um, eight years on the county commission doing local government and eight years in the Florida House prior to this doing statewide government. So I'm the experience, ready to hit the ground running. So I'm, I'm there. Uh, would you uh, find yourself in, in good company uh, politically and on the same page, you think, as the governor? Absolutely. Um, Bob, I've had the pleasure of working with the governor two years before my term ended, and I supported all of his priority bills. Uh, I've had a number of conversations with his his staff about different issues that he sees in the near future. So, yes, sir, I'm uh, very much online and uh, can't say I've actually endorsed in this campaign by the governor because he's choosing not to endorse any candidate. But I will tell you this. I was selected to represent the governor as a trustee on the College of Central Florida. And the governor is very choicy on who he picks to represent him on a on a trustee board. So I was I was honored to be chosen as that trustee. All right. Well, this is uh, going to be a somewhat of a short season, I guess, from the perspective that you have the primary coming up March 7th. And it's for a position like this, kind of a crowded field already. Mm-hmm. Um, your take, I guess, on what would make you different from other 
uh, Republicans uh, that are running in the race. We assume there's a level of conservatism uh, amongst you. Is there any things that you'd like to point out? Yes, there is, Bob. Uh, all of the candidates are campaigning on the conservative Republican Party ticket. So I say in that issue, we're all the same. But what distinguished me from all the rest of them is I have the experience. I have the knowledge. I have the life experiences that go along with that. Sometimes it's not what you have in front of you that it counts. It's what you've experienced in the past, and you know what to stay away from. As you might well know, in Tallahassee, there's a lot of bombs. There's a lot of places that you can get misled and you can actually step into an area that you need not be in. Well, I know that. I was there for eight years, so I know what to do and when to do it at the proper time. You feel like if you get elected, you could hit the ground running, so to speak? Absolutely, and that's critical too, Bob, because if you look at uh, this particular House race, our legislative delegation consists of three House members and a senator that are all terming out in 2024. So when if you looked at the 2024 election cycle, we will have all freshmen representing mm-hmm. Marion County. Well, as you know, freshmen tend not to get a lot done the first two years. Harder to get on committees, assignments, very, very uh, get difficult. time on the floor, et cetera. Sure. Very difficult. Well, I don't feel like Marion County deserves to be put on the back row. So I'm there to to pick out the ball and run on the first day. Well, that makes sense because really Marion County could serve as a model in many ways of the way you've, you've uh, had growth, but yet you've had some you know control to it. You're bringing businesses uh, uh, to the community. I mean, there's a good story to tell. I think yet you're uh, you understand that you know it's also a horse community and and how important equine is. And uh, well, you know what, with horses and farms and all that. Uh, let's. Uh, what, what are you going to do about illegal immigrants? Let's not fool ourselves. We know many of them may be employed in those areas. You are correct. Illegal immigration is a big issue, not all over the United States, but certainly in, uh, in the state of Florida. Uh, I was told just last week that we actually have uh, busloads of illegal immigrants being uh, offloaded in Marion County already. Well, we have to stand with the governor on that. We have to absolutely uh, try to do our very best to make sure that we don't in, have that influx of illegals coming to our county and living off of our taxpayers. Uh, I'm all for the governor. If he uh, asks for money to ship them elsewhere to these uh, sanctuary city locations, I will back him 100 uh, percent. That should not happen in our county, should not be burden of our taxpayers. Question out of left field. Yes. So uh, keep that in mind. That, but, you know, this isn't something that's really been talked about. It's an idea I just came mm-hmm. up with. Is there a mechanism where in the state of Florida there could be a sort of a, a work program like the federal government does it? You, you could get a work permit, mm-hmm. a green card and come in, especially in the ag community. It's, it's sorely needed. Could we do it at a state level and still be within the bounds of the federal law? Uh, I think there is, Bob. I think there's some room to work on that. Uh, I don't know if it's been practiced anywhere else in the United States, but I'm sure there's a model out there that we could probably capitalize on in some other location. I did something that was similar to that. It didn't have to do with illegals, but it had to do with inmates. Um, We are constantly releasing inmates from our, our judicial system and putting them back out on the street with no 
resources to work with. Or skill so sets, I, yeah. I sponsored a bill in the Florida House that uh, actually mandated our correctional centers to at least provide a, a, a valid ID so that these individuals that's being released could at least open up a bank account or go check into a hotel or something. So we could do the same thing with illegals. We could make sure they were verified and uh, perhaps seek employment. And I think with state and local government, we could actually employ some of these. And in my community, the horse farm the industry absolutely needs some of those type workers. All right. Just send me a shout out when you uh, propose that bill. Yes, sir. Will do. <laughs> I'll give you credit for it. Bob. All right. And then there's a constitutional carry. This HB 543, this is not uh, the bill that I thought we were going to get. It's way watered down. It doesn't provide for open carry at all. Um, I guess my question is, I know you're a strong Second Amendment guy, so you you know, you know tell me what you think, and then would you work to make this bill better if you got elected? Yes, sir, Bob, I absolutely would. And uh, thank you for mentioning that I have always had an A-plus rating by the NRA, and I will continue to do so. I was one of a very few in the Florida House that actually stood with the NRA in the, all through my eight years that I was there. Yes, this bill has been watered down. It's nowhere near what it started out to be, and I would work diligently to get it back. Constitutional carry, as you know, was the law of the land for many, many years in America, and it's been changed over the years to where it's, uh, well, it's it's really hurting our Second Amendment rights. So I would try to restore it. I am a, a concealed weapon permit as well as my wife, and we believe in our use of our firearms. We are trained like everyone should be, mm-hmm. to use them properly. So, yes, I would. I would absolutely uh, encourage uh, all my fellow House members and senators to do the very best that we can to restore the rights to carry. That sounds good. Final question now. Uh, this came from a caller earlier, and I didn't have a chance to look it up. But apparently, mm-hmm. and I, I, I recall this early on with the vaccine stuff going around, there's a state law somewhere where should the government mandate it, meaning the state of Florida in this case, mandate it, you could be forced to have a vaccine. That's on the books, apparently, mm-hmm. before this whole outbreak. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And uh, would you work to maybe rescind this or change this this law, this Florida statute, 381.00315? Correct. Yes, Bob, I would work to change that. Uh, I was unaware that that Florida statute even existed, but now that... You mentioned it. I think we did enact that uh, probably in the early 2020 timeline when uh, we didn't know what the virus was actually going to do. And and we kind of shut down the whole state, if you recall, for a few months. Uh, That particular statute uh, could be repealed in its entirety or certainly changed to it's something that we could live with. I was gave, I was given that uh, statute recently. I'd say four or five days ago. So I haven't had an opportunity to really dig down to it and it see what all needs to be changed. But I can tell you, yes, if it's still the law of the land to have everyone vaccinated, I am totally opposed to that. So I would do all I could to get it changed. Charlie Stone running for state rep, uh, House District 24. That's the vacant seat. Uh, where can people go for more info on your campaign? Yes, sir, Bob. I have a website. Uh, actually, two ways you can get to it. Number one, you can have votechariestone.com or just plain old charliestone.com. They go to the same location and they have quite a bit of information or they can feel free to contact me. I'm available by cell phone number at any point in time. Area code 352 266 Five nine four zero.
feel free to contact me. Wow, fantastic. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Bob. Charlie you, Stone, Greg. appreciate it. Say hello to your uh, lovely wife, and maybe we'll get her on one of these days as yes, well, sir. Marion County Commissioner. Charlie Stone on the Bob Rose Rewind. And coming up next, State Senator Blaze Ingolia. What does the state have to do with the IRS? He'll explain next on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Good morning. Happy Saturday. It's the Bob Rose Rewind. Last but not least, State Senator Blaze Ingolia. He's talking about the IRS and stopping the expansion of the IRS. What does that have to do with our state? He's going to explain that right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, Senator. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I understand you're working on a bill uh, with with your cohorts in in Tallahassee that has to do with the IRS and IRS expansion, but this is at the state level, so I need you to explain that to me. Sure. If you remember years ago, under the Obama years, the IRS um, targeted a lot of Republican-leaning, conservative-leaning groups, most notably the Tea Party groups, right. um, and they use the IRS, the power of the IRS, to audit and, you know, and to subpoena them. So now that the federal government is on the verge of hiring 87,000 new IRS agents, we're afraid of that. And so we put up a bill, Toby, Toby Overdorf and I put up a bill, he's in the House, I'm in the Senate, that basically will uh, do two things. Number one, it will mandate that state financial institutions, state chartered banks, contact and keep a log and report to the state every time the IRS inquires about somebody's accounts, um, whether they subpoena them or want records and copies. And this way, we can look through the data and we can see if they're just targeting um, the small businesses who just happen to be of a certain ideological uh, bent, right? Um, so the second part of that is if the IRS is found to be targeting our small businesses and small businesses defined as 50 or fewer employees with less than $4 million in gross revenue, then we are going to set up a fund and help pay for them to fight the IRS and even sue them if necessary. Wow, that is brilliant. Something that comes to mind, say, might be the mom and pop, say, a gun shop. They, you know, uh, if you weaponize the IRS like we've seen before, and you you cited the great example, I think we're familiar with the Tea Party thing, then, yeah, they could target any business that, that, well, has an ideology or agenda that's not on the same agenda that they're on. So would gun shops, that'd probably be one of the big ones, right? Yeah. So you you look at gun shops, um, you can look at nonprofits that, um, you know, pregnancy centers, would be another good one. Um, you and just look famously, we've seen that where the government had targeted the bakers for not wanting to bake cakes for gay couples. So that would be sort of like another target. Look, when you embolden a federal government which has as much power as the IRS, and then you give them eighty-seven thousand more agents, the only place they can go to try to uh, generate more revenue is going to be the middle class and the small businesses. And we at the state level are going to do everything that we possibly can to push back on this. We're going to hope that our Republican Congress will be able to defund it 
But just in case, just everyone should know that Florida has your back. I, I just I, I think that's a, a brilliant move. Um, and then there's the I, I know the governor's been pushing and promoting this and you're part of this legislation as well is, you know, death penalty always had to be exerted via a unanimous decision from a jury. Um, now you're working to change that. Uh, go ahead and explain that one. So just a little background from everyone. It used to be um, unanimous. And then the court, the Supreme Court in 2016 said, um, uh, we changed it to 10-2. The Supreme Court says, no, it has to be unanimous. That was the old court, the liberal court. The new conservative court says, no, it doesn't have to be unanimous. It can be left up to the legislature to determine what is the threshold. So you couple that with the fact that, and I'm just going to say it on there, you have an evil scumbag like Nicholas Cruz escaping the death penalty because you have some protest jurors that don't believe in the death penalty, then we file a bill, and I filed the bill uh, yesterday that says that, nope, we're going to change this. We're not going to go unanimous anymore. We're going to go with supermajority. So instead of 12 out of 12 jurors during the penalty phase, it will be 8 out of 12 jurors. So this way, under our bill, um, Nicholas Cruz wouldn't be able to take another breath. And and do you think this will be successful? You'll be able to push this through? I do. I do. There's a lot. Um, uh, the Nicholas Cruz not being sentenced to death, I think, shook a lot of people and made them realize that we need to change in this space. Because if anybody, anybody deserves to be put to death for the heinous crimes and acts, it would be Nicholas Cruz. I think that um, because the governor is behind this uh, initiative also, it'll get across the finish line. And then there's one that I want to discuss with you as well. Uh, the legislature, and I think more of this was coming from the House side, but, you know, they were working on a bill for constitutional carry that I know at one point it would be uh, open carry or concealed with a permit, and you would have a choice, and you could do the permitting process or constitutionally, because the Constitution says you could bear arms, that you could uh, carry a gun that way. Of course, not if you're a convicted felon, et cetera, not in certain areas. We get that. But when the bill actually kind of came out, it's really watered down. Um, the open carry is completely left out of it. Is there any possibility of a, a remedy before this is put through or voted on? Can the Senate change uh, change the bill or or push for it to be changed in any way? Yeah, there's still plenty of time for any bill, not just this bill, to be changed uh, because we remember we still have about a month worth of committee weeks, and then we have two months worth, sixty days worth of legislative session. Um, uh, I will tell you that I've had conversations about adding open carry to it um, for a couple of reasons. Number one is that I do think it is our right uh, per the Second Amendment to bear arms. And a lot of other states have open carry and there's really no problem with it. Open carry is very misunderstood. A lot of the reasons why people want it is for inadvertent flashing um, to make sure that they're not going to be prosecuted for flashing a concealed weapon. Um, and then taking your firearm and walking to and from, uh, you know, places, especially when you're hunting. So I, I totally get all that. Now, personally, I wouldn't open carry, right? Because if I'm in a restaurant, well, not in a restaurant, if I'm in a public setting and I have a, a concealed weapon that you can actually see, if there's a bad guy around, I'm going to be the first person taken out. Um, but um, 
the other part of that permitless carry is long overdue. This is something that the state should have done years ago, but we're finally getting around to it. To answer your question, yes, um, we're still going to have those conversations. Can we get open carry across the finish line at this point? I just don't have the answer to that. Yeah, I just like the idea of having the flexibility to carry openly if I choose to or concealed if I choose in, in, you know, the venue or whatever the appropriateness. I can make that decision myself. And as to remember, just just so every just so everyone knows, I mean, uh, everyone understands. So open carry doesn't mean that you can open carry in any place. It's public places. Correct. That's going to be right. So businesses can still say no firearms, no, no open carry. Uh, on on the premises, so that would still be allowed. Yeah, and another thing, I just uh, I, I want to get through to this: that when it comes to permitless carry, you're having a bunch of liberals running around, Democrats running around, saying that there's not going to be any background checks. It's the same process as a concealed carry. When you go in to purchase your firearm, um, they're going to do background checks. The only difference is you're going to have to wait um, uh, three days until the background check is completed. If you have a concealed per- carry permit with permitless carry you can go in and you can buy um um, and leave with the weapon that day so that's a big difference yeah well and the other thing is is you want to have uh a reciprocation amongst uh, many of the states, which we do now. Yes. Uh, and, and if you do away with the permit thing entirely, then it leaves that in jeopardy, which, of course, in a perfect world, all the states would agree that, uh, you know, the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment. We wouldn't have to jump through any hoops. But in the meantime, we do. And I would very much like to have my gun on my person when I'm traveling. I think that's where you're very vulnerable or could be vulnerable. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Look, I've been a um, a big proponent of the Second Amendment. I was one of the few Republicans who actually voted against the gun control bill, the Parkland bill, years ago. So um, I'm a staunch opponent of the Second Amendment. I'll keep on advocating for that as long as I'm in the legislature. State Senator Blaze Ingolia on the Bob Rose Rewind. Thanks to all my guests, Charlie Stone, Chris Wagner, Marion County Commissioner Carl Zalek, and thank you for tuning in and supporting what we do. Thanks for listening to the Bob Rose Rewind. I invite you to tune in Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. for the Bob Rose Show along with Greg Cassidy right here on 97.3 The Sky. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.